working? Is this now working? This is now working. Thank you, Drew. Okay, they, they asked us to use this mic, so I discovered a way to hold the mic. I'm gonna see if this works. Does that work? It does? Okay, that's why you should always have a shirt pocket. That was a joke. Okay, so um, great you could be here this year. Um, I wasn't here last year, but it's good to see you all. And this one is a great facility. This is fantastic. This is beautiful. Um, the speaker system works well, and if I speak really loud, you'll still hear me, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow what we're going to talk about today, which is growing in grace and what that really means. Now, the last time I was here, we, we took a picture. Anybody remember this picture? And there's a guy here that told me it was a whirlwind, and like he tried to pretend like I was somebody different. But when you look at this picture, there's only two people that stand out, right? You know what I mean? There's only two people that stand out in this picture. So evidently, there's a little more growth needed for these two people right here. Because they're both a little bit, you probably can't see that clearly, but this is, that's you. Yeah, that is you. And this is me. And we're doing the same thing. Right. So I just wanted to point out the fact that we both need to grow in grace. Because we're both a little bit crazy sometimes. Anyways, um, this is what we're going to be, be talking about. We are going to read a couple of scriptures, but I'm going to provide them for you here. And one of the key scriptures that come to mind is what Peter says at the very last thing that comes to the pen of Peter. As he's thinking about everything else as he commends to these believers to whom he has just written, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so my question for you as we start is this. What does it mean to grow in grace? What does it mean to grow in grace? And so I'm looking for volunteers, or I can always pick people. So, your call. But anyway, just shoot us. What do you think? Like, what comes to mind? Because this, this is actually not an easy concept to grow in grace. Does it mean we have more grace? Is it God's grace to us? Is it God growing us through his gracious provision? What is involved in this? Anybody have any thoughts that come to your mind? Anybody awake? Raise your hand if you're awake. I'll say it once more. Raise your hand if you are awake. That means everybody, it's not illegal to raise your hand. It's not illegal. I, I, just to prove that, I want everybody to raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. It's okay. It's okay. See, nothing happened. Okay? We're all good. So, here's what we're going to talk about. The grace of God in your life is His provision. This is my brief interpretation. It's His provision for everything you need to become who He is making you. So God gives you and equips you with everything you need to become who He has designed you to be. So His gracious provision is all the things He gives to us in life, through Christian life, through the community that we have in Christ through his provision by the Spirit of God dwelling within, all that God does is with this in view, that you may become the person he's designed you to be to fulfill his purposes in his kingdom. And that's why God in his grace makes provision for you. So growing in grace then, if it's to provide this to make you become like Christ, is Christ-likeness. It's Christ in me. So you know the heart of the gospel, the heart of salvation, is a believer in Christ. So you're not in your sins, you are in Christ. That's exactly what it means to be taken out of your sins and placed into Christ. But the gospel is the whole life. The gospel is the whole message. The gospel is the whole story. And what God immediately does after that is he begins to replicate Christ in you. And this growth in grace, as you're going to see in the life of Peter as well, was God replicating in the life of Peter his very character, dealing with the issues in Peter's life, dealing with the issues in Peter's character that needed reformation and building into it things that weren't there that should have been there. So that will also bring you then to maturity, becoming who God intended you to be, growing in, in grace, Christ-likeness, becoming a mature believer, a full-grown believer, a believer who is actually viewing things as God views them. So the bigger question then becomes, how does this happen? Because it sounds beautiful, and it is beautiful, and it is exactly what Paul, some of you may have known that my favorite verse, likely, Galatians 4, 19, where Paul says, my little children, I continuously suffer labor pains until Christ is formed in you. And so this was his objective for believers too, 
So how does it happen? Well, just by walking daily with God. This is not like a separate school. This is not a separate endeavor to grow in grace. This is the, the course of life and living in fellowship with God's people and living in community. Now, I'm not going to deal deeply with this, but maybe something for your own personal study. The, 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 the essence of Christian life presented to us in Acts chapter 2 are the four activities that characterize church life and, and life in Christ. And it's these things here. The summary of it is right here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And these are graces. This is the grace of God to provide you with these things so that you may then grow and become who you are supposed to be. Because God does have a plan for you. One of the beautiful things that God does is he takes us from, you know, a lump of coal, and he turns us into diamonds, if you will. And that's basically God's transformative purposes in your life. That's what happened with Peter. That's what happens with all of us. God doesn't save you to leave you as you are. He doesn't save you and say, congratulations, you are no longer going to hell. Enjoy life. I'll hook up with you at the end of it. No. God purchases you. He buys you. You become his property. He invests in you. Nobody buys something without caring for it and taking care of it. And you are God's possession. And so God begins that reformation process, that transformation in your life. Now, you have issues in your life, I have issues in my life, and Peter had issues in his life. He wrote some beautiful things if you've taken the time to read his letters, but Peter did not always live up to what he wrote. It did take a life, his whole life, to become what God intended him to be. And, and it will take all of your life for you to become who God intends you to be. But there needs to be growth, there needs to be progress, there needs to be development. And the whole concept of growth means that when you compare where you are today with where you were, let's say, a year ago, what areas in your life do you see more of the character of Christ reflected? What areas in your life do you see that you have more control over? Some of those impulses that drive you to do things that are not really in keeping with who God has said you are. There needs to be growth, there needs to be changes. You look at Peter, Peter's a guy who wrote really beautiful things. First Peter chapter 5, the man who called himself a witness for the sufferings of Christ, what did he do? Well, he took off. He said, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ, but I came to the cross, what does Peter do? He boots it, he runs, and he hides. The man who calls us to be eager to serve others, that's what he talks about in 1 Peter 5. This is a man who, when Jesus girded himself and washed the feet of his disciples, he sat and just watched. So Peter learned these things, but he didn't always live them. The man who tells us to be clear-minded and to be self-controlled is a guy who falls asleep when Jesus says, could you not like stay awake with me for three hours? Jesus is sweating drops of blood, and Peter is snoozing. But yet Peter's the guy who tells us to be clear-minded, to be self-controlled, to be vigilant, to be alert. The man who boldly tells us to submit to authority, to every human authority, is a guy who takes his sword out, and when the soldier comes with his authority, he cuts his ear off. So Peter learned by hard experience, really, in his life that he didn't have everything always figured out. So when he writes to us his letters, he's writing from that experience. And that growth in Christian character, that growing in grace, never, ever comes to an end. Peter was impulsive, maybe that's why I like him, immature. Well, I have nothing about that to say, but uh, this was Peter, okay? But God makes him a leader. You, you, when you read the first half of Acts, he's the guy who stands up in Acts chapter 2, and the others stand up with him, and he takes a lead. He's the one that you see doing amazing things. He's the one that brings Dorcas back to life. He's the one that brings the gospel to Cornelius and breaks down that barrier as God teaches him. He becomes a man mightily used by God, even though he was a guy that often acted, really, he was shooting from the hip. He was very quick, quick to speak. I think David coined the expression or said the expression this morning. He had a um, foot-shaped mouth, I think you said, David. And that was Peter, foot in mouth. Happened often with him. Remember when Peter jumped out of the boat? So that's impulse, right? Just remember what that was like. Imagine it from Peter's I looked up and he was there. 
What's the word that Jesus says to Peter? He's in a boat. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And what does the Lord Jesus say to him? One word that I don't think any of us likely would have responded to with the promptness with which Peter decides to get out of a boat and walk on water. No one else had done that. So it took a character, a personality, that maybe would have rubbed a little bit on the other disciples, a guy that was impulsive, a guy that acted really quick, a guy that kind of jumped the gun, but a guy that demonstrated for us an unwavering response to the Word of God. That was perhaps Peter's first response to that. He was crazy enough, to put it in that terminology, to obey against all of the natural wisdom of a fisherman who says, you don't leave the boat. You don't get out of the water. And it was a repeat lesson for Peter, right? The Lord Jesus had already done this once. Do you remember? I think uh, Steve, um, David has already referenced that in Luke chapter 5. The Lord Jesus coming along one day. Peter owes him a favor. He's already healed Peter's mother-in-law, if you can consider that a favor. And um, that was another joke. Um, and, and so Jesus comes and he gets in the boat and he says, hey, Peter, uh, do you mind? I'm going I'm to preach here a little bit. I'm going to speak to the people. So Peter kind of has to manipulate the oars and sit there and hold the boat because boats don't sit still in the water. They drift. So Peter is kind of sitting there in this boat, owes this rabbi, this teacher, something, and he's holding the boat and he's listening to Jesus. And then this landlubber, carpenter who knows nothing about fishing and never wet a line turns around to him and says hey why don't we push out a bit here and throw your net in and Peter's saying like you <laughs> no like this is not when you do this but he says this word so okay master which loosely interpreted actually in the context in which the Greek word gives it it's kind of like okay boss at your word at your word, I'll let down the nets. Peter learned to value what Jesus said. He learned that even when it went against his own natural inclination, the development and the growth of grace, God working in his life brought him to the point to realize that if he says it, that's got to be enough. But there was more learning for Peter to do. Remember when Peter thought he knew better than Jesus? He thought that he had something figured out that God didn't have figured out. Do you ever have situations in your life where you figure, I've got a plan, and I know what should happen, and I know the way it should work, and God seems to be moving you in a different direction? Well, Peter had a moment like that as well. Listen to Peter, because I managed to hook up with him, and he did an interview for me to share with us, to share with us his story. Mark chapter 8. It's kind of bright here, but you can't see it very well. Maybe you can. You know what I felt like? Um, felt like that's you know when you were a kid and you're wrestling with your dad, you know, and he's just taking all the hits and he's going with you, and then boom, he just takes you down? Jesus setting me straight that day. I felt all like that. Okay, okay, I know, I know, hindsight is 2020, but at that time and at that moment, I, I, I just couldn't figure out what he was talking about, you know? I mean, why did he have to suffer? Why did he have to die? No, no, no. Not on my watch, this wasn't gonna happen, no sir. It just wasn't like he was, he was thinking straight, you know? I kept thinking, maybe he's dehydrated, maybe he's hungry. The man never got enough demon, you know me? So I take him aside, and I start to laying into him, and before I can even get very far, he stops me, he looks me in the eyes, because he has those eyes, and you know what he said to me? Get behind me, Satan. Those words, those eyes, 
what we need. If we're going to grow in grace, God has to divert us from the path that we would naturally take and redirect us into the path that he knows is best. And so with perfect vision in his omniscience, Jesus is telling him that I'm going to be going to a cross. And Peter can't comprehend that. Fights back. But then he realizes, as he reflects on this, growing. That was for me. What he was doing that I didn't understand, it was literally for me. And as we grow in grace, we learn this truth that the psalmist explained so very well that as for God, his way is perfect. So even when things go differently than I think they should be and the plan doesn't work out as I had hoped it would work out and my timetable said I should be right here right now and with her or him or this job or that career or this place in school or in my own life, or maybe physically or emotionally even. God's got that under control. Because he is, he is, he is sculpting us. He is, he is manufacturing. He's doing something in your life to make you who you're going to be. Because it's not about this life. The kingdom has come. But the kingdom will be seen in its full blaze of glory in the coming day. And your preparation, your growing in grace, is for that reason. So that you may be prepared to be who God wants you to be. And so our job is to just to allow God to lead us. Just like a father takes a child by the hand and leads us. And we just trust. Remember when Peter thought he was better than others? He thought, I would never do what others do. Everybody will forsake you. I won't forsake you. I'm, I, I'm not like that. Part of this process is learning who we are. And this was a challenge for Peter as well. Listen for a moment as he tells us about the time he denied the Lord Jesus in Luke 22. They say a rooster crowing is God's way to come. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the way it was for me. Everything that the whole night was a blur, right? Um, I didn't comprehend, none of us could comprehend everything that was going on, right? We were all in the upper room, Jesus was washing our feet, um, then we were in the garden, Jesus goes off to pray by himself. I fell asleep, I'm not proud of it, had a big meal, bread makes me sleepy. Next thing we know, me, James, and John, Jesus is in our face, and he's trying to wake us up, and uh, he said, um, he said, uh, this is the, uh, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And then before we know it, Jesus is kissing Jesus on the cheek. I tried to go help him. I cut off this guy's ear. For the record, I wasn't even for his ear. I'm a fisherman of sorts. And then they, uh, they arrest Jesus and they take him off. And we, we ran. And it wasn't the two hours earlier that we were in the room. I was looking at him. I was looking right in the eye saying, if everyone disowns you, Jesus, I won't. 
something that would teach Peter in his boldness and his bravado and his spirit and his immaturity he said not a chance no, I, I won't do that I'll never fail you I'll never leave you I'm with you and like that it all changes and that's the way it is in your life that's the way it is in my life I would never do that. I would never think that. I would never say that until it's done, it's said. So does that mean you're right off? See, not with God. That's the beautiful thing of a God who's omniscient, who actually allowed a guy like Paul Although he was set aside from his mother's womb, he allowed Paul to become a terrorist who murdered Christians. Even though God was planning to use him. God allowed Paul to do that. God allowed Peter to get himself in the situations. When the Lord Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to pray for you. He said, I'm going to pray for you, Peter, that you don't deny me. No, he didn't say that, did he? Peter, I'm going to pray that you're you don't fall out, that you don't lose the plot, that your faith doesn't fail. Because you're going to go through something, Pete. It's going to be hard. And it was going to leave a scar. It was going to be a painful memory. 
But God was going to use it to grow Peter. And that is God in his grace growing Peter, just as he does with us. Growing in grace is then learning to allow the Spirit of God to, to bring these lessons to us and to move us because we can't live in our own strength and our own power. That is what Peter literally had to learn. He thought he could. He thought he would. But if we're going to have to live responsive to the Holy Spirit of God, ungrieved, unquenched, functioning in your life, guiding you and directing you to build into your experience that which will make you beautiful. Well, you are beautiful in God's eyes, but will make you fully capable of fulfilling his purposes for you in life. Remember when Peter was all concerned about what John was going to do? Remember the end of John's gospel? Peter says, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus says to him, listen, if it's my will that he remain till I come, what's that to you, Peter? You follow me. Here was another lesson that Peter had to get, that he wasn't to be preoccupied with God's dealings in the lives of others and somehow see how that impacted or reflected upon him. My relationship is first and foremost vertical with God. Yes, I live in community. Yes, I need that fellowship. But I can't always base what I think I'm going to do or should do on what others end up doing. Remember when Peter was all concerned about having contact with unclean Gentiles. These people come and Peter's in Joppa and Cornelius sends people to come and Peter's thinking, hang on a second, we don't have anything to do. That goes against my preconceived ideas. My belief system, as I understand it, says I don't do that. I don't go there. And Jesus three times the Lord Jesus has to give him a lesson. Here's what Peter says. You yourselves know, as he's talking about this, how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me. See, Peter took his lessons here. This is God in grace operating with Peter. God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And we could spend an hour on that if you wanted to. But I won't go there. Peter struggled with that lesson. There are lessons that God will give to you in life. And maybe you'll struggle with. But growing, growing through that will be part of God's work in your life. Remember when Peter forgot that lesson. So this very impactful lesson with the sheet coming down from heaven, three times a vision. Peter gets a lesson. He confesses the lesson publicly. But then he goes to Antioch to see the grace of God and the flourishing of the gospel. And he's hanging out with everybody. And suddenly some people who said they came from James come down from Jerusalem to see what's going on. They, they see Peter hanging out with the Gentiles. And they kind of give him the dirty eye look. And Peter suddenly withdraws from them and he goes right back again and he starts to separate to the point when Paul's got to come up and speak to him. Paul has to confront him and say, Pete, can't do that. And then Peter later writes, chapter 4, his first letter, he says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Calypto, I love that word in Greek, calypto. It's from where you get apocalypse, like in Spanish for revelation, to take away the veil. God covers. He says, love covers some of these things. So Peter learned because he received grace from others. God, in his goodness, allowed Peter to learn things that Peter struggled with. And as you grow, there will be quote-unquote failures. You won't pass every test. You won't, you won't get 100% every time on every subject area. God will keep bringing you back sometimes because God's intent is to make something very beautiful out of you because God doesn't make junk. You are a masterpiece. God's intent in growing you in grace is to bring out the full beauty of who you are. That's what God has made you. Like, I don't know if you, if you grasp that. To God, you are beautiful. You are unique. You have significant value. You have a role. You have been fitted. Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has placed you in the body, not the local body, because that's not about the local church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's about the church, which is his body. We are, in essence, part related to that locally, but this is God placing you in his body, in his kingdom, 
uniquely fitted to do something. And God will keep doing that, growing you in grace. And what he says in Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We are his poem. We are his masterpiece. And God keeps working at you. I want to show you one last video. And it's going to take us up close to the end and a couple other points I want to make to get this point home to you of what God really does. Because God's at work chiseling in your life constantly. He doesn't stop until he creates what needs to be created in you. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know I mean? They get Picasso and it's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes Mold me to the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer, it's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky here. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Okay, okay, um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15, 9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters, it's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay, if you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm running out of playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Okay, game away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I did that. No, I'm not. I did it again. I'm not right after you. Okay, all right. Hey, what are we doing? Making my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools that we use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Oh, hang on. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, did you chisel right here? That showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around me. I mean, I've tried everything. I, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked to me about trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know, like if you chisel a line right here, maybe four, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. All I'm saying is, most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or kind of chisel? Talk, chisel, talk. No, 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 no. I choose to chisel. Alright. Through my Holy Spirit, I can bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to you're lazy, but you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it any time I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. Alright, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just, um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, they're like, oh, you're holier than that. No, and I don't often so make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we'll take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. just that you never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me. But never you just stay. What you do is call control. Do you want to control things in life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel right? That's called control. Okay, I'm sorry. 
this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chill this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward.
I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental bush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know what it's going to be tough. Yes, but you went into life thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world. Be a good cheer. I overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God. God, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. God keeps working. That's the point. This growth in grace will go on all your life. And just as in a sculpture, there's going to be areas of your life where things will hurt as God has to deal with it. So as you reflect, where has God worked in your life in the past that you know? Where, where does God need to work in your life? What areas can you immediately, right now, in your own thinking, identify and say, this is something I know me and God together have to work on? Because he's at work in your life, but we can hinder that. Because what he really wants is for us to be able to, to look into a mirror and not see brokenness, but to be able to see Christ. This is his objective. This is his purpose. To grow us to be like Jesus Christ. And so growth in grace literally means that we become more like Christ. And we have that potential to either work with God or to work against God. You can help the process or you can hinder the process. You, can, you can't just stay still. Nobody just hovers in spiritual life. You will either grow or you will go back. And that's why Philippians tells us to work out our own salvation. With fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. I mean, two things that seem like a paradox. Work out your own. Bring it to fruition. See the reality lived out in your life. Because it's God is working in you. This is how God grows us in grace. We partner with God, if you will. Peter had to learn to let God be God. Peter had to allow the purposes of God to be lived out in his life. Peter really had to, to grow up. So where are you? Seriously, where are you? Between you and God right now, are you everything that you could be? Are you kind of shielding, attempting to shield from God areas that he needs to deal with? Because he provides in his provision, in his grace, every tool you need. And he will work in your life. He's got to do it one way or the other. But he wants to use you. Just as he used Peter in all of his brokenness and all of his immaturity and made a tower of a man, a mighty man for God. He'll do it for you. Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we're thankful that while we sometimes lose hope and we look within and we see things that we wish weren't there and we would be embarrassed if others knew they were there we know that you know they are there and we are thankful for your provision and your grace and your goodness to us to modify us and change us when you saved us you bought us and your intention is to transform us give us willing hearts to allow you to do in our lives that which needs to be done we ask this and give thanks in the name of the lord jesus christ amen Let's just sing in the workbooks. Let's sing all in all.
You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. I'm seeking you like a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I be a fool. You are my all in all. Let's sing the whole hymn um, of all in all. You are my